This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. My name is Neftali Mata. Most people call me Neff, and uh, it's my privilege to preach here on a Sunday morning for the first time. And when I was looking at this passage, it's so easy to just go along with it if you're anything like me and you've just grown up in the church. It's like, yes, there's wise men. Yes, there's a baby. There's a star, Herod, bad guy, all this other stuff. If you're not familiar with this story, there's a lot that's going on here. And you're like, I'm not even totally sure what's going on. That's okay. Just know this. I saw something I hadn't seen before, and that's one of the cool things about Scripture. If you are willing to listen, you'll maybe get something new. And for some of you in this room, this might not be anything new, and it might just be something we need to hear. But if you're like me, this is something I truly felt like I needed to hear from this Scripture. And it's this. I was gravitating towards the wise men and magi, and maybe it's because... In most Christmas pageants, I get cast as one. Um, I have no idea why. I'm not, not a clue. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, the other part of it is, if I had to pick any character in the Christmas story that most of us in this room are actually most like, it's them. Why is that? These are men who are educated, well-to-do, they have lives that are going well, and they aren't part of the Jewish story directly. Most scholars think the Magi probably came from Persia, and if you're trying to figure out how in the world they could come, there's all come to, like, the Messiah being born and wanting to worship him, and you're trying to figure out why could these people even know anything. No one really knows. Everyone has their guesses. But we know they knew something. And my best guess is, if you remember the story of the Jewish people, they go into captivity, and then there's Daniel. And Daniel survives several kings. And eventually, he is part of the king's wise men for the emperor of Persia. And if Daniel was considered a magi in that realm, it makes sense that they would exchange ideas. And it would make sense that these men would be familiar with this idea of a Jewish king, a Jewish Messiah coming. So who knows why they came. Besides that, God was trying to get their attention. They paid attention, and they changed things. Because think about it. Herod is trying to figure out when they found out about the star, figures out it was about two years ago. The reason why that's important is because that's how long it took these guys to get there. Now, we don't know if they're traveling those whole two years, but we do know it took them two years to get there. And then I don't know how long it took them to get back. Some scholars think six months, a year. No one really knows because these men enter and they exit. So I did some calculations. Two years for assuming you survive to like a normal lifespan of an adult in modern United States, it's 77 years. So you're talking about two and a half percent of someone's life just to get to this baby. If you go to three years, we're at 3.8% of a whole lifetime just to meet a baby. At this time, a toddler probably. I just have one question. Why? 
And before you fast forward to the answer because Jesus is the Messiah and the King, I want you to really think about that. Why would you, as a well-educated, reasonably successful person in here, devote 2 to 4% of your life to accomplish one thing? And that doesn't even count the danger these guys face, because traveling back then, it's dangerous on the road. It's not quite as quick as it is now, obviously. There's also just the simple fact of traveling in a different culture than yours, and you having to trust in generosity. Also, these guys probably had lives they had to put on hold or at least arrange their lives so that it would be there when they come back. They had to get the gifts. There's a whole lot of planning, and it's 2 to 4% of one's lifetime for a kid. The only way it makes sense is if this kid changes everything. Jesus, the king changes everything. Because that's what Matthew was letting us know. The real king is Jesus. It's not Herod. And the star makes sense, too, because stars were associated with the pagan kings, and people believed the stars were signs from the gods that a real king had been born or something big was happening. And Matthew is letting us know the real king of the Jews and the real king of the universe is Jesus. The fulfillment of The Messiah is Jesus. The only way it makes sense to spend that much of your life is if you really believe Jesus changes everything. I mean, if you look at this story, you see they see the star, they go to Herod because they think that's where the king would be. They clearly don't have everything there, but they know enough to know kings should be in palaces. So they go there, find out they were wrong. Everyone's upset. Then they go to Bethlehem and they see the star again, and it shows them where Jesus is, and they're overjoyed. They're overjoyed in spite of the fact that what they were expecting to find looks different than what they actually find. And how many of us know from experience that sometimes when you're looking for the Lord, you look in one place, and he's not there. You get redirected by Scripture, and you find him, and you still find joy because Jesus changes everything. And like I said, I don't know what they knew. Maybe, maybe after all this time, they heard some of the prophets, like the reading today. And I just want to go back to that Jeremiah passage real quick. And if you have your pew Bibles, that's going to be on page. Let me get to my book page 658. I'm going to pick it up in verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations. That's us. And declare it to the coastlands far away. Again, that's us. Say, he who scattered Israel will gather him, and he will keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from hands too strong for him. They shall come and sing aloud on the high of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, the oil, over the young of the flock and the herd, and their life shall be like a watered garden, 
and they shall languish no more. Jesus changes emptiness to abundance, ransoms his people from captivity, the captivity that we all face with sin and death. Jesus changes everything. King Jesus changes everything. Maybe the Magi had an inkling like Paul in Ephesians where Paul says, because of Jesus, we have every blessing, heavenly blessing. Because of Jesus, Jesus changes everything. And it makes sense then, right? Like you would devote three to four percent of your life just to meet someone who changed everything. You can think of all of the excitement that people have when it comes to people achieving something incredible. We see it all over the place. We like those stories about the athletes who sacrifice a lot. There's whole montages in movies and all sorts of genres of like training sequences or studying or trying to get to that one pinnacle moment. And this pinnacle moment is meeting Jesus, sensing what God is doing, directing your life to Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, people of God, and people who are interested in being the people of God. God's getting your attention because he wants you to know King Jesus changes everything. And I don't know what is going on in your life this morning that brought you here. Maybe you know this story really well. Maybe it's just a little normal. You know? It's a normal story for you. Maybe... You're here, and you just need something to change. And maybe you're like me, and you're like, how can I just become more like the Magi and just be overjoyed that I've encountered Jesus without meeting or needing anything from Jesus besides just knowing that with Jesus, things have changed? Because these men come to this kid, this toddler, and are overjoyed. They give gifts. They're overjoyed. They are so happy because they just know. They just know everything has changed because of this kid. And I so deeply desire to encounter that type of joy in my walk with Jesus. And so I was thinking about it. Why does it get so normal? Or why are we not convinced Maybe some of you have heard this story and just aren't convinced Jesus actually changes anything. And I really boiled it down to two things in my brain. One, we just don't really believe it. Like, you might know it, but you don't believe Jesus changes everything. And you might not believe it because you have very good reasons to. You might have needed something to change in your life, and it didn't. That relationship, finances, someone died even though you prayed, even though you did the right thing, even if you didn't do the right thing, you still know something isn't right. Maybe it's simple. You just haven't known these things, that Jesus does change everything. And this is all I can say, my friends, for those of you who have suffered real loss, real pain, either because of someone's sin against you or your sin itself. Jesus does really change things. I just know in my own life where I've been in some really dark moments and moments that have been almost impossible for me to see the way out 
my world got so dark, so overwhelmingly depressing. Even though I grew up in the church, I had made such a mess of my life that I was convinced that darkness was all that was before me. And Jesus grabbed me, pulled me back, and restored me. Not in all the ways I thought, but he's done more than I could ask, think, or imagine. Jesus changed everything in my life. Even though I grew up in church, knowing Jesus changes everything, I experienced it when I destroyed things in my life, and Jesus put it back together. I don't know what you're walking through right now, but I do know that in a room this big, big, some of you are dealing with really dark, heavy things. And even if you personally aren't, you just zoom out into the world and you just look at all the death, the destruction, the chaos, the sin out there, and you know something in this world needs to change, and you're tired of waiting. All I can tell you is Jesus came, and he changed everything. He is still changing things today, and when he comes back, he will change it for good. Jesus is the reason why it makes sense to devote so much of your life one direction, and I'm here to tell you You need to know that. Just not know that up here, but know that deep in your soul. But honestly, if you're like me, knowledge isn't really your problem. You're just too comfortable. Because if you think about it, you can't just have a knowledge. You have to have a desire to know more, to experience more, to want to lean in more, to look for those moments where God's trying to get your attention. But my life is comfortable. I live in the suburbs. I have a lot of control over my life. I don't often need to pray that Jesus provides anything for me or changes anything dramatically for me. Quite frankly, God has blessed me with many things I can't control and has put me in a position where I can just forget I need him to change anything. So how do we deal with the comfort? I think the first thing is to open our eyes and just realize this world is actually sinful. I am actually sinful. I need Jesus today just like I needed him yesterday and like I needed him before that and like I needed Jesus when I felt like my life was as dark as it possibly could be. I need Jesus just as much today as I needed him back then. And I need to believe that and know that and desire that in my own life or else I won't do what I need to do. I won't make my life uncomfortable because quite frankly, my life is comfortable. It's comfortable to hit the snooze button or to go to sleep without reading my Bible. It's comfortable to not pray. It is comfortable to let my thoughts wander where they're not supposed to. It is comfortable to just autopilot through life. I want to be like the Magi. I want to encounter Jesus, and when I encounter Jesus, I want to be overjoyed by the fact that the God of the universe came down to meet 
us, to meet us, to break the bondage of sin and death and conquer every evil thing that has ever come into existence in this universe, that Jesus will put it under his feet and say, I am king, it is done, rest. I want to rest with Jesus. I want to be with Jesus. I want to desire Jesus. And every time I notice that I encounter Jesus, I want to be joyful, and I'm not. I'm not like I should be. So the beautiful thing about our church in this tradition is we get to encounter Jesus in many ways. Through the music, through the prayers, maybe through my preaching, definitely at this table. So wherever you are at today, if you don't know Jesus, I pray you know him. I pray you lean into him. I pray you continue to look for what God is doing in your life and seek answers like the Magi did. And for those of you who know Jesus already, thanks be to God. I pray you remember and come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.